Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison as England named their 15-man squad for the two-match test series against New Zealand, which, of course, starts next month. James Bracey and Ollie Robinson have been called up for the first time, and there's a recall for Craig Overton. Over the course of the show, we'll dissect the squad, debate uh, who should be included, who's missing out. We'll also hear from uh, England fast bowler Stuart Broad get his thoughts on the test side. As well as that, we'll be joined by Durham duo Chris Rushworth and Scott Borthwick after a record-breaking week in the North East. And if that isn't enough, we'll also be speaking to former England fast bowler Harry Gurney after he announced his retirement this week. So, plenty to discuss. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Army, yesterday you um, penned your provisional England squad um, and you were right. There is no IPL 5, um, no Moen Ali, Johnny Bairstow, Joss Butler, Sam Curran and Chris Wokes. They're being given a, a rest after their quarantine. But you nailed it. You got everybody. You got James Bracey, you got Ollie Robinson. Um, so no surprises for you then. No, no surprises. Um, I'm chuffed to bits for the new guys. Really am. I know what it's like to to get that call. Whoever gave the call, whether it was Silverwood or, you know, whether Joe Root might have have called up himself, just you know, just say welcome. You, know, you get your first official call up. These guys know what it what it's like to be in the England bubble because they've been travelling around for eighteen months with England, um, not being in the squads but there as reserves so finally to get recognition for all the hard work you know it's brilliant it's brilliant we've managed we've said many times over the course of the last six weeks players who have been with that England group how do I get in you know Craig Overton we spoke to Craig a couple of weeks ago you know what do I knock on Silverwood's door when you're in India or even last summer right boss how do I get into this group and he'll have probably said a boatload of wickets overs under your belt Few runs don't go, wouldn't go amiss if you're a bowler. A volume of runs, hundreds as a batsman, that's a currency. Well, 
Racy is in, in as good a form as you'll get. He's playing the team. Gloucester riding high. Looks as though they're going to get into the top division. Fantastic. Craig Overton has got a second, I think, in the in the in the wicket taker, or third in the wicket taker behind Ollie Robinson and then Simon Harmer. So these two guys, Ollie Robinson, nine for a few weeks ago. Uh, Craig Overton missed out last week. He had a bit of a rest, which wasn't a bad one to miss with the rain affected. I'm really, really chuffed to bits that they're getting recognized getting recognized for putting in the hard work. They're gonna go in with a bit of form. It'll just be a case of who plays and who doesn't. So we're going to listen to Stuart Broad, hear what Stuart's got to say. He's been very, very calculated with what he's had to say over the course of the last few days when he's been doing the chance to shine and a few other things. Um, he's basically saying what he said after the first test last last summer. He said it before the first test this summer. Just to put a shot across the bow to say, right, if you think there's going to be a, a selection change with Broad and Anderson, you've got another thing coming. When you pick the best team for the first test match, me and Jimmy have got a boatload of wickets. We know these conditions. We're nowhere near finished. And everybody that we've spoke to so far, manners in the last six weeks on the Cricket Collective is telling us Stuart, Bo- Stuart Broad is bowling well. Well, he just reminded the media yesterday before the, 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 the selection was announced that he is bowling well. He is ready. And do not leave me out with that first test match squad. I fear a little bit for Ollie Robinson and James Bracey in the fact that they've been with England uh, for, for a year. They've they they're suffering terminal bubbleitis. Um that you know, Bra- Bracey's been to Sri Lanka and, and India. And I, I just look and at the fifteen and I just I can't sit find a way to squeeze them in. No, I struggle to find a way for Bracey in. You could have possibly played Bracey and Bam at seven instead of folks, but that would be a that would be a kick in the teeth to Ben Folks, who's worked hard to get his chance. So if Josh Butler and Johnny Bairstow are resting because of IPL, then I think I really do think Folks should keep wicket. Um, he's probably there to cover Dom Sibley. And whether Dom Sibley can prove his fitness between now and the first test match on the 2nd of June. Uh, if he does, I expect Sibley to play. I don't see any changes in the top three. And when that comes, is he fighting, possibly fighting with Dan Lawrence? Dan Lawrence is just getting 150 for Essex. So, you know, he'll probably take Stokes' place at number five. The interesting one, I mentioned why, the reason why I mentioned this, Stuart Broad, is a conundrum. There is a conundrum here because I think in an ideal world, you'd want to play Wood, Anderson and and, uh, Broad as your three seamers uh, to go with Jack Leach. That would mean Jack Leach would have to bat at number eight. You look at the way Ollie Robinson and Craig Overton have performed so far this summer in, in county cricket. They've got runs under the belt. You know, they are, they're not genuine all-rounders in the Ben Stokes category, but they are number eight batsmen. The Ashley Giles from my time when I played, you know, the number eight batsman who is, who is going to get you a 50, potentially get you a few more. Ollie Robinson and, and, and Craig Overton tick that box. So if, if England don't want to go in with sort of, they're not four number 11s, probably four number 10s, they might have to go in at number eight with a Robinson or a, an Overton, which means one of your big three, your fast lad in Wood, or you potentially have to leave Broader Anderson now. I don't see that happening. I potentially see Robinson playing at number eight. I can see Anderson and Broad playing and potentially Wood misses out and possibly plays in the second test match at Edgebaston, there may be a little more life in the surface. 
Honestly, Harmy, I think you could, I'd be happy with anybody at, uh, at number eight, any of those names you mentioned, even if it was Jack Leach at, at number eight. Hmm. It's not like uh, any of them are bunnies. Anyway, let's hear from Chris Silverwood, who was speaking to our producer Scott Taylor a bit earlier. Hey, Chris, hope you're well. Um, how Hi, important Scott. is it to expose the likes of James Bracey and you know Craig Overton's coming back into squad ahead of that Ashes at the back end of the year? Well, I mean, it's one thing we've talked about, you know, I mean, to try and get to the point where we're not debuting anybody in Australia. Uh, it's been a plan now for a while. Uh, and we have given different people different experiences. You know, I mean, debuted people got more experience into people. So we're banking that all the way to the, all the, way to the ashes, really. Um, you know, I mean, given opportunity, we'd like to give them out. We would, but at the same time, we've got to make sure it's the best thing for the team as well. And the team is balanced and it's the, the right team that we're putting out there. Hence why we've got so many options available to us. And the exciting thing is we've got so many young players in there that will now get an opportunity to shine. And just finally, how important is it for this test squad? There's no Ben Stokes, no Joss Butler, that you've got the likes of Ollie and Craig that can bat as well in that lower order. Well, I think that's that's one of the keys as well. Obviously, the, the two of them are very capable with the bat and will give us those options at sort of seven and eight around that sort of area, uh, which is what we need really. Because, I mean, it has showed that you lose a Wokes, a Curran or a Stokes, then it, you know, I mean, it does make it hard to, di- uh, very difficult to balance the side. So, you know, I mean, the more people we can get through that are uh, comfortable sort of fulfilling those roles. But I think the exciting thing is, you know, I mean, we, we talk about we, we haven't got them. But I mean, if we look at what we have got, these guys, they're fantastic cricketers and we're going to get an opportunity now, which really excites me. That was uh, Chris Silverwood uh, speaking to our producer, Scott Taylor. And now, well, Harmy's just uh, referred to it, it's time to hear from a man who will be in the squad. And if you believe him or you, or you read between the lines or listen between the lines of what he said, he'll be in the 11 as well. Stuart Broad was speaking to TalkSport this week and began by discussing how Joffre Archer would be feeling about being ruled out with his bothersome recurring elbow injury. You know, his spirits are still quite high. It's frustrating for him because he, it's been a right elbow issue ever since I first heard about it to the Christmas time 2019. It's just been niggling away for long periods of time. You know, he'll be fine in a training session, wake up the next day and it'll be really stiff and sore. So he's just got to that stage now where looking ahead to a T20 World Cup in November and Ashes in December and January... He can't have this keep grumbling away. He's either got to rehab it really intensively or do something a bit more drastic. So, you know, it's it's a tough one for him. Um, because he's not gone through any sort of real injury issues so far in a young career, but it's part and parcel of fast bowling. You are going to pick up niggles and he's got some good hands around him with the ECB to look after him. We saw last week when he got Zach Crawley out, the ball that he delivered, you just want him to be available for Australia. You just fancy. I know the wickets aren't as quick as they used to be there, but it'd still be useful to have him amongst our armoury, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at Joff, he's got every attribute you'd want as a, as a fast bowler, and who do you want bowling the last over in the T20 World Cup final? You'd say Joffre Archer. Who do you want bowling in pressure scenarios um, in Australia? You want Joffre Archer available. So, uh, he'll be very disappointed that he's going to miss this New Zealand series and we're not sure how much of this summer he'll miss. But he has to stay positive with his mind and actually focus on the cricket he could play in the future and the exciting moments he could have rather than what he's missing um, next week. So yeah. uh, he'll stay positive. You know, it's, um, 
it's something he's got to get sorted now because it's his elbow. It's like waking up with a headache every day. You know, it's just and he's he's in a place that he needs to get that right. Mm. Um, what do you? I mean, you've been around the, the the side for a long time now, Stuart. What do you make of the current crop, and what do you make of our sort of current squad? Yeah, it's exciting. It's uh, I've been fortunate to to play with a lot of very good players um, over my well, two thousand six seven. I made my debut, um, but the leaders within this group are probably the strongest I've seen in the likes of you know Joe Root, Ben Stokes, Josh Butler, Jimmy Anderson. These guys who are who are very successful and have played a lot of cricket for a lot of experience are able to feed back to the younger players and who are some of the most talented I've seen. Ollie Pope's one of the best batters I've seen coming through the system. Zach Crawley, Dom Sibley have already proven they've, they've scored runs at international level and, and are still so young in their international career. And I think if you can get that side of a balance of hugely young, talented players learning off people that have done it under pressure, um, you can move very quickly. And I, I don't see... You know, we might not be peaking for Australia, but our game plan is set around winning in Australia, scoring 400 big first innings runs, creating pressure, bowling aggressively to get 20 wickets. And I see Australia very much as part of the journey of this team. Um, it's obviously a huge aim for us to win there, um, but it's actually the style of play we're putting together that, that can make us successful all over the world. And um, it's very exciting. Actually, as a 34-year-old, I have been around a long time now, but... <laughs> When you get into the changing room with, with young players around you that you see so much potential in that they're exciting, it just makes you want to play for longer. Just wants you to just wants you to play more. You enjoy training, you enjoy the matches, and no wonder we can't get Jimmy Anderson to retire. You know? <laughs> no, I mean the thing is there was a reluctance in, in the winter to play you and Jimmy together. I think for reasons that could be understood by the fans, but I'm sure you're hoping to bowl in partnership with him because you two together are, especially in English conditions, you know, the best we've got, I think. Well, in my opinion, yeah, I think we get into our best team in England. You can see even just from the county stuff, the start of this year, we're both taking wickets and bowling well. So uh, I understood the the India situation, you know, you had to play two or three spinners. Um, to be fair, you could have played 10 spinners out there. <laughs> so, um <laughs> You know, in, in England, Jimmy and I create, we create pressure, we bowl for the team, we bowl for each other and um, yeah, we'll be hopeful to play together this summer for sure. That was Stuart Broad speaking with Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport uh, this week. And just before we go to the break, uh, Harmy, um, I just wanted to ask you what you thought of uh, the, the comments um, attributed to, to Chris Silverwood. Um, a couple stood out to me in the, in the official press release. Uh, he said that Playing the top two teams in the world, in New Zealand and India, is perfect preparation for us as we continue to build up towards the ashes. And he also said, I, I can't, I mean, I understand what he means. And we, I mean, I haven't done 10 days of quarantine myself and I haven't been inside a, an elite sporting bubble. But I do feel for Chris Wokes when he, he's left out of the squad because... Silverwood said we felt it necessary for them to have an extended break. Chris Wokes has been on an extended break for six months. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I've, I, I can understand what, yeah, I'm with you. I can understand what he's saying. India and India and New Zealand at home, great competition, great challenge, uh, mental challenge more than anything else. Uh, to get ready for what is the big one if you're an Englishman or an Australian. Um, but the way it actually came out and the way it's come across, it looks as though he's been a little bit sort of patronising and looking down on India and New Zealand. 
I personally think England is going to have a tough summer, a really, really tough summer. I think England's top order, if the England's top order don't fire, one, two, three, then I think England might have a, have a disastrous summer because the bowling units of India and New Zealand, even though New Zealand aren't going to have Trent Bolt, in English conditions, the likes of you know, the Wagners of this world, you know, put the ball in the right area, ask questions all the time. And if you know, they, they haven't got the, the techniques quite right, then I think England, England's middle order doesn't need to be in, in within the first 15 overs of a test match. If they do, then I, it doesn't matter who bats at number 8, 9, 10, 11. I think England will have a, a real struggle this summer. So it's going to be so important mentally more than anything else that England's one, two and three fire, whoever that is, because if they don't, then you can say it's a great practice for Australia. You can say whatever you want. If England don't have a very, very good summer, yeah, Australia will be licking their lips, ready for England's top order to come over. And in case you missed it, New Zealand announced their 20-man squad for the two test matches, followed by the World Test Championship final against India. They are absolutely at full strength. Kane Williams and captains. Colin de Grandhomme, the all-rounder, comes back into that uh, 20-man squad. It's a farewell for um, BJ Watling, who's been a loyal and highly successful servant to New Zealand cricket, the 35-year-old bows out after the World Test Championship. And, uh, yeah, it looks a very, very strong squad. So, so does India's, by the way. Uh, this is the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. And next up, we review round six of the county championship season. It was another memorable week, especially for Durham's Chris Rushworth, after he became the county's leading wicket-taker. And mm-hmm. earlier on, you and I had a chat to, uh, to Rushworth to reflect on that memorable moment. I'm delighted to say we're joined now by Chris Rushworth, who has become officially Durham's most prolific first-class wicket-taker, eye-watering tally of 531 first-class wickets. And it looked like it made uh, your eyes water when you uh, reached it as well, Chris. Yeah, it was was a lot of emotion built up, I think, because I was so close the previous night in the the morning, um, trying so hard to get there. It didn't quite happen. When that when that moment came, it was just overwhelming, emotion, pride, um, just everything, just kind of, you know, it just built up and I, I exploded, um, and I, I, I burst into tears on the field, which is it was one of those things, but you know, it's something I'll never forget. The, the effort and the, the the dedication you've shown to get from two thousand and six seven leaving the club and the academy to go away work so hard to get yourself back in a position to come back to the club and get a chance again to then go and overtake some absolute legends of the club in the wicket-taking department. Just describe you know, your de- drive and determination and what made you go to the lengths that you had because you, know, you lost a lot of weight, stopped drinking for a year. All this stuff came with Chris, Chris Rush was going from number one wicket at Durham to number 531. Uh I don't know how to describe it. Like to be given a, a second chance at your home, your home county, your home club. Um, that was obviously a, a, a massive honour. Um, and it, you know, I, I'll never forget Jeff for, for giving us the second chance. It's just when I, I suppose when you when you get the chance and you get the second chance and the faith and trust you, your captains and coaches have in you. It's something I, I'll never forget. But. Mate, like thinking about it now, like I, I remember the first wicket. I remember me first. I remember my debut with Henley. Um, got none for none for a hundred and odd against Yorkshire. 
and it seems so long ago, but but I remember. I think I remember nearly every single game. Most of my wickets, I'll remember. I, I, it's so hard to mate. I'm absolutely thrilled to bits. Like my phone's been going mental for for a day, but I've loved every single minute of it. I I love every every supporter, every member. I, I love playing at the Riverside. Um, when I first got into the team, you know yourself, Otis, Bunny, Pudsey, the, the team had Benky, Diver. Superstars, Collie, Shiv, like for me, that that was that was something I'll never forget. Breaking into that team, but now like being top of the pile, it's mate, it's it, like I'm lost for words. It, it's unreal, man. It, it's it, unbelievable. You're top of the pile, but you take us on that that little journey. You know, the little journey, the highlights of that journey. Won the championship a couple of times, Lords finals. But you know, if I was to say, pick out a couple of special, special moments from being not just playing for you know, playing at the Riverside, but special occasions. You're very close to Ben Stokes and all you know the, the, the young lads, Mark Wood, that's coming through and seeing them go on to play for England. You know, just take us through a couple of, of special occasions for Chris Rushworth. Obviously, the first one, the, the debut at Headingley, um, I'll never forget that, and that was, I think, that was a little bit. A bit of luck to get that game because uh, Cal Thorpe got injured on the morning of the game. So I don't think I was going to play. Um, and then Callum got injured. I remember Jeff pulling me to one side saying, look, Rush, you're going to play. So I, I rang I rang the old man, rang my dad, said, Dad, I'm going to play. I was crying. He was crying. But he was there for, he was there for the first ball of the game. You know, he drove down to Headley and he was there for that. That's something that I'll never forget. Um, the first wicket, Mark Ward at... Uh, at Trent Bridge, um, that was special. I lived with Stokesy for a year, for two years, um, and then watching watching his career progress. I think everyone's you know been fascinated with with how he's gone. Um, but to say I was, I guess I was there with him um, when he first started. It's it's these moments you play the game for. You, you make friends for life. In 2013, everyone wrote us off to get relegated. We had no overseas. And we won the championship with a game to spare. Uh, that is one of one of the greatest seasons you'll ever see. Some of the best games of cricket. I remember a game at Scarborough where we we end, I think we made them follow on. We fielded for something like two hundred and forty overs on the bounce, but we came off and won. Unbelievable. Um, two thousand and fourteen Lords final. I guess as a cricketer, you know the, the pinnacle is is playing in the Lords final and to win that game in the low scoring, dark, cloudy game I've never been so nervous in all my life until yesterday it's like I said it's, it's those moments you, you play for in it you, you remember every single milestone um, last year passing 500 with with no crowds was was special but mate, yesterday just it, it topped a lot like it was it was different did you ever feel did you ever get into a a purple zone where you you could just make the ball Talk or sing your favourite song. I'm thinking about bowling North Ants out twice in a day. You yeah. know, you, 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 it just, it just looked like you were, you were finding the edge for fun. Yeah, I, I think you recognise as a bowler, um, Harmony will tell you, when you're in rhythm and when you're in a good spell, you know and you feel it, and you can almost feel something's going to happen all the time. Uh, that North Ants game was was one of those days where, generally, felt like that. I could take a wicket every ball. That day was just was special. It was a remarkable game of cricket. The first day got completely rained off. We batted the whole of the second day. 
20 minutes, half an hour of the third day. And I think the game finished by tea. Um, that, it was it was incredible. Um, but th that was one of those days where I just felt like every everything was going well. Um, and, you know, lads caught, caught the catches and, and the ball hit the stumps. It was it was just one of those days. Again, fantastic. And that was two days before we won the Lords final. So that was a that was a special week. You mentioned you mentioned Jeff Cook there just you know, briefly, um, and people that have, have helped you throughout the, the, the along the journey and along the way, which is not not quite finished. Man has mentioned a tear in the eye and seeing you with your dad in the in the crowd, but your dad, you know, everybody's dad is a special person to them. But your dad is always there. Your dad's always walking around. To pity the dog wasn't there. I managed to get to see the to see the the, the, the sort of the wicket that. That, that broke the record because he's been, the dog's been there all that. How important is it to have a father figure like yours who just loves a cricket game of cricket as much as you do? Uh, now the dog was there, don't worry. She was there. <laughs> uh, now, I mean, I, when, you, when you're kids, everyone knows that your mum and dad play a massive part in taking you to games and taxing you around, training and all that kind of stuff. But like I say, me, me, he's, he's always been there. Um, He's watched pretty much every game, every ball. Um, there was a period for maybe two or three seasons where he, he watched every game home and away. He travelled around, stayed in hotels. And he, he's been my biggest fan. I'm going to tear up here. He's always been there. So yesterday was, it was special. Well, you're a role model and an inspiration. I, I don't know whether uh, a thousand first-class wickets will be possible. <laughs> but if my maths is right, you need another 255 in all formats to reach a thousand. So we'd, we'd love to see you do that. You, I mean, you've got lots of miles left in the legs, haven't you? Well, I, I hope so. Like, I, I'm still loving the game. You know, I, I'm, I'm feeling fit, strong. Uh, my drive's still there. You know, I, I want to win things for Durham while, while, we're, while I'm still, you know, good enough. Um, so now nah, I'm not going to stop just yet and hopefully there's plenty more to come. Durham's Chris Rushworth speaking to me and Harmy a short while ago after breaking the record for the most first-class wickets for the county and he's still a little bit emotional now. Well, it was another strong week for Durham who eased past Worcestershire with a perfect display really in, in, in every aspect. Despite the weather, they beat the weather as well as their opponents and we spoke to the captain, Scott Borthwick, to get his thoughts on the last four days. I'm delighted to say we're joined now by Scott Borthwick and a lot to, to speak to um, to you about, uh, Scotty. First of all, the victory against Worcestershire. I mean, it was it really it was one of those all round complete victories where just everything seemed to go right. Um, even the weather. Well done for beating that as well yeah. as Worcestershire. Yeah, yeah. We, we're playing some really good cricket. You know, guys are putting some really good individual performances in. And I thought the way we stuck out yesterday, like you said, we, we beat the weather. And I think the most impressive thing yesterday was we, we had a... The session washed out, and um, we still managed to to do the job in in the two sessions. Scotty, you've done well to get over the line in the last two games because you've been in positions at the start <laughs> of the season where maybe it's that little extra firepower, the, yeah. the, you know, a little rub of the green didn't go for you, and you couldn't get the twenty wickets to win the game. Mm -hmm. How was how important has the last couple of weeks have been? You won. I thought you were the winners of the group last week by not playing because of the weather. Yeah. And this week you've done the same again. So to have the bowling attack that you've got, a little bit extra fire with with Mark, has that been the difference between the draws at the start and winning winning the last two? Yeah, yeah, I think you are. I think the first three or four games is really frustrating because 
we played all the cricket. You know, we, we outplayed not the first game and we outplayed Essex the second game. No, we lost, but it was only down to the, the, the Simon Harmer display, the second innings, really. And um, yeah, we played all the cricket and it's the same again at Derby. But I think the having Woody back in, you know, he's, he's obviously a world class bowler, but he's, he just gives you that firepower. And like you say, someone who can bowl 90 miles an hour, um, it, it's definitely handy to have. So having him back, it, it's been amazing. And like I say, the, the way we stuck at it yesterday it was a fantastic uh, performance. So Things are going well, yeah. And you had, you had Will Young. Um, is that Will Young's last game? Back to back hundreds in the championship. Bancroft coming in. You know, Will Young is going to be. You know, he's basically saying to the New Zealand selectors, uh, "I've got runs on runs in English conditions." Having Will Young and Mark Wood in international, yeah. potentially international players in that first Test match. How good's that been? Yeah, no, Young, Young he's been fantastic. You know, he's, he's a he's a very mature lad. Uh, he's captain his stateside back in New Zealand, so. He's been great in the dressing room, you know, and to get those back-to-back hundreds, it's, it's been fantastic. And um, he's put himself in a great position for the for the Kiwis. And me and Manners are just talking off air a little bit about Rushy's development. He left Durham 2006-07 um, when we had a phenomenal side and me and Manners were talking about Benke as the captain. Um, and then Rushy comes back, you know, and, that, and is, there, is that side who you came into, the, the sort of, 2008-2009 side, is that something that you as captain is thinking, right, can we model on that group? Because there were some very, very good experienced players, very, very good fast bowlers and a, and a very, very good team togetherness. Yeah, definitely. I think that, that era of 2008-2009 was, was an incredible squad, wasn't it? And it's almost got a bit of a feel of that now. We've got we've got a big core of bowlers. We've got seven or eight big fast bowlers who could and should all be playing. And Going back to that era there in 2008 when we had a bunch of fast bowlers and the second team was so strong, wasn't it? And it almost it's got that feeling at the moment now. Like I say, we've the second team guys are playing there today, and we've got four lads there who who are all knocking on the, the first team door. So it's a great squad to be have. Um, and, and going back to Rushy, I mean, he's he's been fantastic, hasn't he? I mean, to get released as the academy kid at 19 to then I think he was going playing up there, bowling off spin in the club cricket somewhere, wasn't he? When he was like 20 year old, and then. To get that chance again and, and Benke give him that chance and um, as soon as he got back in the side, he's never really left, has he? So, now I'm absolutely buzzing for him. He's, he's been amazing. And it's a great achievement. You know, I, I tried to get somewhere close to Simon Brown and got 50 short. Graham Onions went past Simon Brown. And so, for Rushy to do it, you know, just describe what Rushy's like for people that, that don't know him because he is the ultimate club cricketer. His parents walk around the pitch. The yeah. dog walks even further around the pitch. He is your he is your your typical club you know really good good club man and the club's taught what that you want him to do well. No, he's absolutely amazing. I tell you what he is as well. He's he's a captain's dream because he he always wants to bowl his overs. You know, you, you say to him, Rushy, do you want to go again? He's like, yeah, I'm happy to go. Happy to go from either end. And he just knows he knows his game so well. You know, if it's swinging, he'll swing it. If it's not swinging, he'll hit the same. He'll bowl really accurate. You know what you're going to get from him. You know if, if it's if it's a flat pitch, you know he can go two and over. Um, and he's yeah, he's an absolute captain's dream. And to go past that record with the bowlers Durham have had over the years, and to be top of the tree is an incredible achievement. And he was he was quite emotional yesterday, and it just shows how much it means to him. There was uh, looked like there was something in his eye when he uh, took that wicket to uh, to hit the hit the hit the the, the front. Um, there must have yeah. been a bit of emotion around, not just with him, but well, probably for all of you. Yeah, exactly. And I think when he waved to his dad, and his dad was like in the car park, and he waved to him, and um, 
I think he just started to to cry and I, I, I give him a little cuddle and I actually got emotional as well and um, it just shows how much it means to us you know I mean being being Durham boys and, and, and playing for Durham it's um, yeah it was, it was a special moment and yeah he was he was over the moon and I think leading up to it I think on it was probably the worst he'd ever bowled because he was so nervous he bowled four of us for about 25 I think and he's never ever done that and um, he was so so nervous and I think once he got it I think he bowled his last 11 overs and I think he had four for 10 um, so I think the, the first four or five overs definitely got to him but once he got it he actually it was it was an amazing feeling the um, the lads got around him last night because they know how much it means to him as well well congratulations on the season I mean it's um it's it's peculiar setup, isn't it? Just a uh, with this sort of concertina little championship window right at the beginning of the season. Many people thought Harmy said actually, you know, it's pretty. It's mostly unfair on Durham because uh, it's going to be colder and wetter up there than anywhere else in in April and May. But you you've got over that and and you're yeah. playing really really good cricket, and it just uh, we we're all loving watching it on the streaming, you know, because it. Uh, the window to the championship is now open for everybody yeah. to be able to watch it. And it's so fantastic to uh, to be able to say, you know what, Durham are playing really good cricket now. Yeah. I, I fancy watching them for a bit. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that that you are on a, a stage now that streaming has, has opened that window to let people watch you? Yeah, the, the streaming's been amazing, hasn't it? I mean, that's, if anything's come out of the pandemic, it's definitely the live streaming for county cricket. I mean, even last week when we had a week off, I was sat in my bedroom watching uh, watching the games around the country so now it's amazing but I think you're right we, we are playing good cricket we've, we've played all the five teams now uh, and we've won two of them in, in draw two um, and yeah it's, it's a good place to be at the moment Everyone, everyone's enjoying the cricket but we know that there's still a long way to go our aim is to be playing division one cricket uh, in September we think that was one of the first things I got when I came back you know you, you look at the how much Durham has achieved over the years and we're a big club and we want to be playing Division 1 cricket. So so that's our aim uh, and we've put ourselves in a great position to do so. And Scotty, there's somebody else doing very, very good things, young player doing very good things for, for Durham and that's Brandon Cass. You know, me yeah. and Manners have talked now for six weeks about the championship and if we were picking, and certainly if I was picking the three fast bowlers who have stood out in English cricket so far, from England point of view, it would be Overton, Robinson and Cass. Just tell us a little bit more about Brandon Carson. I know the England selectors are looking at him. Yeah. What does he give you as a captain? Well, he, he gives you pace, that's for sure. He's not quite as quick as Woody, but he gets a bit more bounce. He's a bit taller than Woody. He's got that that almost a tall action. Uh, a bit like yourself, Army, actually. He's, he's got the pace. He's um, He's got the, almost the X factor. He, he can almost create something from nothing. And I think having him and Woody in the side, um, is like you said earlier on, it's given us that firepower. And um, he is definitely a wicket taker. He he can bowl wicket taking balls. Um, he he can potentially go three and three four and over, but that's because he's he's trying to take wickets. Um, so we've been smart with his field placings and kept his catches in, but also given that protection as well. And um, yeah, he's in a really good place at the minute. He's he, he's in good rhythm and he's enjoying his cricket as well. That was Scott Borthwick. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport Two with the Institute of Cricket. Shortly, we'll be speaking to the former England fast bowler, Harry Gurney, after he announced his injury-enforced retirement from the game. But next up, we look at a fantastic week for Kyle Abbott at Lords. This is the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 and our review of round six of the county championship. If you've missed any of the show so far or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, all credit to the three teams that uh, managed to win because they beat the weather as well as the opposition. Durham, of course, beating Worcester by uh, 258 runs, despite a session being washed out on the last day. Essex, well, they've had an up-and-down season, uh, very much an up with an innings and 15-run victory against Derbyshire. And Hampshire obliterating the uh, hopelessly out-of-form Middlesex by seven wickets, despite being bowled out for uh, 208 um, some outstanding individual performances. Obviously, Chris Rushworth for Durham uh, with his nine for 108. Dan Lawrence, an, a remarkable unbeaten 152, beautifully timed on uh, the brink of uh, the England squad being announced. And then Kyle Abbott for Middlesex, uh, for uh, Hampshire against Middlesex. Astonishing match figures of uh, 11 for 85. Simon Harmer as well for Essex. Um, 12 wickets in the match, nine for 80. And we should say, uh, you all know now that uh, Surrey and Somerset drew, Glamorgan and Yorkshire drew, and Sussex and Kent drew. So, uh, Harmy, uh, still, I mean, a, an abbreviated um, uh, fix, fixture list, and it was, of course, affected badly by the weather, but some truly outstanding performances. There was some absolutely brilliant performances. Um, three absolute hammerings. 
in the games and three draws, which were, you know, were rain effective. Harmer, nine wickets, like we spoke about Ollie Robinson a couple of weeks ago. To get a double hundred in, a, in an innings is take, it's a monumental achievement. But to get nine wickets in an innings, that is, that is something special. Um, and he's Mr. Essex, isn't he? He's, he just keeps them there or thereabouts. Alistair Cook um, gets a 50. Wesley, Dan Lawrence, magnificent 152. Sets the game up. The one thing we talk about in the first sort of four weeks of the, of the, of the collective, um, we talked about runs on the board. Well, other bowlers undercooked going into the from pre-season were was it because it hadn't rained for six weeks well now we've had a couple of weeks of rain and out of 12 teams only two got over 250 in their first innings which tells you the bowlers are coming back into the game um and possibly the pressure that's getting on the batsmen the more re- you know repetitive you go so there's some teams are looking good Durham my old county look amazing they look really really good and that bowling attack Arguably, back to the bowling attack that got them silverware over ten years ago. You know, two very, very good fast bowlers. Somebody that bowls there or thereabouts and hits the seam on a pitch which is very, very suitable. So Durham are going to be one to watch. They've got a game in hand, a second place. Um, it's been a good week for for my old county. Also, um, Glamorgan, uh, Kieran Carlson made uh, an unbeaten eighty-eight. Um, we've mentioned him throughout the first month. Um, he's really making a, a quite an impression um he hasn't scored 100 yet but it's 450s and he's uh, on the um leading run scorers uh, list Kyle Abbott just remarkable figures i mean that is when Muhammad Abbas joined Hampshire um and we thought oh gee Muhammad Abbas and Kyle Abbott uh, that is one heck of an attack for Hampshire and they they finally put it together well certainly <laughs> Kyle Abbott did 11 for 85 he did, yeah. He's bowled beautifully. And another one, we talk about Simon Harmer and Kyle Abbott, whether the, the, the co-pack rule players going back to play South Africa. Uh, I, I'm not sure that the, these two have got South Africa on their on their radar. Um, but And it was interesting, the game the game that was played there, you know, two, t- two sides struggling with confidence from a batting point of view. But there was a partnership, you know, Hampshire 124, 120 for seven, and get 208 in a low-scoring game with, with Keith Barker getting 88. Very, very good player, Keith Barker. Came, from Warwick, came down from Warwickshire. So uh, low-order runs, I know you like them manners, has get them in a position to, to, to sort of go and, and, and try and get 20 wickets to win a, to win a game. And, and Kyle Abbott is. Along with Mohamed Abbas, Barker gives you the left-arm op- option. Liam Dawson, very, very experienced, very experienced cricketer. We've said many times Hampshire are a good side and want to watch, but they seem to be doing well one week and not well the next week. When Keith Barker was uh, at his best playing uh, for Warwickshire, I was absolutely convinced that he would uh, he would play for England. I, I really could see a distinguished uh, career as a particularly a white ball all rounder. Um, but it uh, it may just have passed him by now, I suspect. Let's have a look at how the the three groups stand then: Yorkshire, Lancashire well ahead of the pack in Group 3. They look well set for a place in Division 1 when the three groups, the three conferences uh, split up. Glamorgan and Northamptonshire um, in third and fourth place, Sussex and Kent. Kent really haven't got it all together. They lost three, drawn three out of the the six games. They are winless, as are Leicestershire in Group 2, where Gloucestershire and Somerset sit on top of the pile, well clear of Hampshire and Surrey in third and fourth place. 
Middlesex uh, somehow not bottom of the <laughs> bottom of the, uh, the the group two there, despite having lost five of their six games because Leicestershire have uh, lost three, drawn two. There are only uh, four points difference between the two of them. And then Group 1, Essex go back to the top with their second win. They've uh, played six, won two, drawn two, lost two. They're on 76 points. And Durham in second place in Group 1. Just a reminder that the top two teams in the three conferences go through to Division 1, and where they play the uh, four teams they haven't played in the uh, conference stages. Nottinghamshire and Worcestershire in third and fourth place with 73 and 70, Warwickshire 67. Um, uh, they're now in fifth place, having been top of the group after uh, th- uh, four games. Derbyshire are uh, bottom there, well, uh, I'm afraid, well clear of uh, the five teams above them. Harmi, it's time to reflect very quickly on the format of the championship. As a good friend of mine said, it may, you know, at least the championship has got a window. Um, when it was sort of being slotted in and around the other fixtures and in and around the other, you know, you'd sort of have one or two championship matches being played starting on peculiar days of the week. I mean, it might be a toilet window in April, but at least it's got a window now and all our focus and attention is has been on the championship for the last month. And I, I've particularly enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely, Manners. I've really enjoyed it. And I think a lot of people were sceptical of how the three conferences would work like you say playing in April but actually when you look at it that was probably the best month for the batsmen because that's when they got all the run near with the, the rain that's come it's it, it it's sort of it's it's not the run scoring and brought the bowlers back into it so and the streaming we've talked about it many times on this show the streaming makes a massive difference I think it helps um, other people get to see with the cricket that uh, shows that first class cricket is still alive but it also puts pressure on the players that they know they've got to perform because the people watching them, over three and a half million people watching this stream. So when you look at the cricket that's been played so far, I think it's been some good stuff, some really, really good stuff. And the structure that's there is, for me, is brilliant. I don't mind it being played in April. We're a Northern Hemisphere country, which we've got to put up with the cold, we've got to put up with the rain. That's been, that's been you know, the, the history of the game has had that. But now, you say, the structure of the cricket is now, you know you've got these amount of games. You know you've got them at the start. You can prepare for them at the start. You're not going off and hitting white balls and come back and playing red ball. That gives you a better structure. That gives you a better preparation, which in theory should give you a better cricket. You look at the divisions, I think they're more or less, they're more or less set. You know, Division two, Hampshire might think though that they can catch Somerset to potentially get the second spot, but Gloucester have run away with that. You know, they're... they're one of the 13 points clear of third with a game in hand. So they should, in theory, win that group. The, the, the red and the white rows are miles clear in, in, in group three. And the intriguing group is group is group uh, group one. You've got a big county in Notts who won, has, has won a couple of games for the first time in, in, in sort of two or three years. Durham have got a game in hand, and that game in hand is against Derbyshire, who are bottom of the log, who probably are out of it. And you think, well, they've got, got a chance there. So that seems to be the best group because Essex are, are playing some good cricket as well. So I've really, really enjoyed the championship manners. I think it's been fantastic. I think it's been fascinating to watch. Hats off to the ECB. Full credit to the ECB, the way they've delivered it. Um, and, you know, we've seen a couple of games on, on, on the TV now that the IPL is not there. So players like Young Carlson, we've talked about him for three or four weeks. He got seen yesterday, this week, on, on live TV. You know, what, what better exposure and see what 
pressure they come under like that. For me, it's priceless for the development of our young players. I just want to correct myself. I said Kieran Castle hadn't scored 100. He has. He scored 200s and 450s. He's got 552 runs at an average of 69. He's behind uh, the leading batsman, uh, Durham's David Beddingham, with 624 runs at an average of 89. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are seven batsmen with over 500 runs already. Simon Harmer's 12 wickets have put him on top of the uh, bowler's pile with 34 scalps at, at 23. But Craig Overton has got 32 and average of under 14. Um, you've mentioned him a lot, as you have um, Ollie Robinson, who's got 29 wickets at uh, just over 14 and a half. And uh, Gloucestershire's all-rounder, Ryan Higgins, we've mentioned a lot. We reckon that uh, he'd be a good option for England um, to, to fill in for Ben Stokes as uh, the primary all-rounder. Chris Rushworth as well is in fifth place with 26 wickets at, uh, at under 16 and a half. Um, and Kyle Abbott also 26 wickets. Lots of very fine individual performances just a, a quick word about the the championship specialists if you like the first class specialists they've had all this attention the live streaming it's been their time it's been their moment but let's be honest they've got a couple of months uh coming up in the in the prime of the summer what we hope will be the prime of the summer where um they're going to be twiddling thumbs aren't they well, it looks like they are, and that's the challenge of these counties now of how you structure. Challenge the ECB. You put on this is a message to the ECB. You've put on a fantastic product at the start of the season, streamed it for the world to see. Them bits in between for these players who have performed very, very well. What's the challenge to to sort of keep these players not only performing and shining, um, to keep the product going as best they can because. Just turning your back on them while the white ball comes around is, I'm not sure that's that's you know the right thing to be done. But that's the next challenge for the ECB. Where do you go from here? Well, there's a lot of these red ball specialists will be saying to their, their county coaches and county captains, hold on, I've got volume of runs. I've been showing on the stage that I'm, I can play you know, this game of cricket that we all love. Um, and I've developed my game in a way I want to be involved in um, in the white ball stuff. So I'm sure the squad sizes, financial resources in the game, there'll not be too many twiddling their thumbs, but there'll be one or two thinking, what am I going to do for the next two months to keep myself in the form I'm in with the business section coming round the corner, the last three championship games, and then potentially a Bob Willis trophy final. So that will be the challenge. Um, and... It'll be interesting and intriguing to see where it goes. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Next up, we look at some of the other stories in the world of cricket and we speak live with former England bowler Harry Gurney, who announced his retirement this week. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 and in the final part of the show, we'll take a look at what else is happening in the world of cricket. I'm delighted to say that we're joined now by Harry Gurney. Um, it's been uh, a remarkable career in many ways, Harry. Sad, of course, that injury has forced you to retire prematurely. But my goodness me, it's been, uh, as I said, a hell of a journey from Loughborough Town Cricket Club to uh, the Kolkata Knight Riders and the Melbourne Renegades. I mean, there's, there must be an awful lot more to smile about and to celebrate than to, uh, to, to commiserate with. Yeah, definitely. Incredibly proud of everything I've achieved and... and... Yeah, all the places I've travelled to and the people I've met and I've just made some great memories, but also I'm in a quite fortunate position in some ways that I've got a new career to move into that I'm really excited about as well. So 
set up this pub company with Broadie about five years ago and I will now transition into working full-time on this and I really love it so I feel quite lucky I'm probably probably not quite as as lost as maybe some players are when the ability to play is taken away from them. Harry in that in since that time 2019 since your last game how important is it because we we work a lot with the PCA about transition and moving forward especially from a mental health point of view how important is it to have your, your, your path that when you do retire, you've got somewhere to go? How important is it, do you feel, because you had that with a pub, uh, some are less fortunate? Yeah, it's always been something for me. The PCA are incredibly supportive. They're brilliant. Uh, Lindsay Williams, who looks after us at Knotts, is just just incredible. You know, she's so good at her job. And yet for me personally, I've always been throughout my entire career acutely aware of the fact that the music is going to stop. And unless you are one of five or six cricketers probably in the country who, who will make enough money to never have to work again. You're going to need an income. You're going to need, and even if you are one of those guys, you know, you're going to want, you're going to want something to do, aren't you? You know, there's so much more to life after cricket. So since a very young age, I've been very focused on what am I going to do after cricket? The likelihood is for 99% of people that your salary is going to, is going to plummet overnight. And for me, it was a case of for the last few years of, right, I don't want to make any sacrifices of, of, of my current lifestyle. And so therefore, how can I put things in place to make sure that I don't have to? And incredibly important, in my opinion, because if I didn't have this business now, I'd, I think I'd have a bit of a panic on. My man has mentioned the highlights, you know, the Calcutta Knight Riders, Melbourne Renegades. I was there for your debut up in Aberdeen, commentating yeah. from a freezing cold caravan in Scotland. Yeah. Um, you know, finals day, we're not... You know, where's where does where all these sort of stack up in Harry Gurney's career? Is the is the the pinnacle international cricket? Uh, I think so. Probably there was a day T Twenty against India at Edgbaston where I closed out the game against Dhoni and Rayner. That was that will always stand out in my memory. A day that I'm incredibly proud of. 2017 for Nottinghamshire was a very very special year. We won the Blast, the One Day Comp, and got promoted from Division Two in the Championship. That was a very special year. Actually winning two trophies, two and a half trophies um, and uh, doing it with a, a real tight-knit dressing room, great bunch of blokes and we had a, a lot of fun doing it. So that was a very, very special time. And then winning the Big Bash still feels surreal to me even now um, that I did that. Uh, it's just a competition that I'd admired for, for so long. So to win it was very, very special. And of course, to experience the IPL, it's like nothing else. So Hard for me to pinpoint one thing, but those sort of three or four things would probably be the things that stand out as punctuating my career, yeah. I want to pin, pinpoint something, Harry. It's fair to say that you uh, distinguished yourself far more often with the ball than with the bat. But um, just going back to 2017, uh, you mentioned promotion. I, I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, because my memory isn't all it used to be, a, a, a little 42 not out that pretty much secured promotion. I nearly mentioned it just now, to be honest, but I decided again. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, wasn't renowned for my batting. That was joking apart. That was a career, that was a great day for my, in my career as well. I'll never ever forget that. It was um, yeah, it was it was. I mean, I I'd actually that season I've been working quite hard on my batting. I went through phases in my career of you know, sometimes completely ignoring it. And then other army will probably know occasionally <laughs> a little phase where you work on it and you think you're getting somewhere or whatever. And I was in one of those little spurts and uh, yeah, to get those runs on that day against that attack was, was amazing really. And um, definitely a, a day that I'll never forget. 
my batting was always about a good time and not a long time when it comes to uh, enjoyment factor in the batting. Right. When you, 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 you look now, Harry, you, you were going to be part of the 100. You see this international side. You wouldn't say a one-day specialist, but somebody who played a lot of white ball cricket. It must be fulfilling when you see the way the England side is at this moment in time. Yeah, I mean, they're, um, I always say, I got dropped at the end of 2014, I think it was, just before that World Cup in Australia. And um, I always say I can't really grumble because ever since they've basically bossed world cricket. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just such an amazing, you know, it's the depth. There are world-class, once-in-a-generation players in there, like your Stokes, your Butlers, but just the depth as well. You know, the, the guys banging on the door that can't even get in the team and the brand of cricket that, that they have played for the last four, five, six years, uh, this aggressive brand. We've gone from, in my opinion, probably being a little bit, behind the curve in terms of our the way we went about our one-day cricket to now being world leaders probably in the way we're going about our cricket and we're now maybe the benchmark for other countries whereas perhaps historically it was the other way around so yeah an amazing team that uh, that it's been a joy to watch for the last few years and now I can't wait to watch even more in retirement with uh, hopefully in some hospitality harmony with you with a glass of wine or something <laughs> I tell you what, your body will shape, your body will soon change shape if you have hospitality with me. I tell you, when you stop bowling, <laughs> so, uh, it's talking about a fast bowler. You're sitting in a pub, waiting for the pubs to open. Your business partner, you know what? Where's he at at this moment in time? And you know, you, you keep shaking, scratching your head, thinking, you know, how good, especially Stuart and Jimmy, you know, the bowling department we've got with England. Uh, again, very, very special time to be an England supporter and has been for a number of years in that department and I think it's one of those things once Brodie and Jimmy are gone I think everyone will I mean I think they are I think everyone recognizes how good they are but when they're gone I think it'll just be exaggerated and we'll look back and go wow how you know how lucky we were to have that pair just dominating the test arena for so long and by the way other you know their records both pretty good in other formats as well Stuart is yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's I would say, mentally in as good a place as I've seen him for a while. He's, he seems as hungry as ever. He's loving playing for Nottinghamshire and, um, and he's bowling well. He's bowling quick. So that bodes well. And um, I think that pair are just, just chasing records and long may it continue. Just, uh, we should mention that the other, another trophy in your uh, cabinet is the uh, Caribbean Premier League with the Barbados Tridents. But... I just wanted to ask you, Harry, you mentioned closing out a T20 international against India. Did you have a particular secret about practising Yorkers? You know, Lassit Malinga used to bowl at a pair of shoes, didn't he, on the, on the crease? And did you, because the Yorker is a, a much talked about subject these days and people are less and less prepared to, to risk it, if that's the, if that's the word. Did you, did you have a secret for, for death bowling, practising your death bowling? Yeah, I actually copied Lassit Malinga. So, I heard that that was how he practiced, probably when in my mid twenties. So I started doing the same, not with boots. Initially, it was with boots actually, but then I developed a. Do you know the boundary rope? There's these Toblerone triangle cushion things that go all the way around the boundaries for international games, and uh, and franchise games. So I nicked one of them from Trent Bridge, and I plunked that down on the on the crease. And my personal method is to. I didn't stop practicing until I'd hit it 10 times. So I'd have quite a specific routine, which would be six hard length, get warm and then six hard length balls, six cutters, six back of the handers. And then I would go into my Yorker practice and I wouldn't stop until I'd hit that cushion 10 times. So yeah, from a practice perspective, that was my, that was my method. And I liked it because 
it's sort of a self-policing thing. You know, if you need the practice, you keep missing it, so you bowl for longer. Um, but actually, if you're in good nick and you're nailing them, then you're done pretty quickly. So it's uh, it's a great way of practicing. And for me, I've got quite an analytical brain, so having that number that number target in my head worked quite well. You haven't given the pub a name check, Harry. People are going to be wanting to, to pop in and, and see you pull them a pint. Yeah, so I've sat in the tap and run in Upper Broughton, um, which is halfway between Nottingham and Melton. So if any listeners uh, are in the area, by all means, pop in. I'm here a lot. Brody's here a lot and he's in the country as well. And uh, yeah, we're very proud of it. We love it. You know, you've, it's wonderful to see you with a smile on your face. As I said right at the beginning, it is sad that injury has forced you to retire. But um, hey, that Caribbean Premier League must have been fun. I asked you about that. Just give a word about that. Yeah, that was uh, arguably the most fun I had on a cricket pitch. Um, I mean, you know what the, the Caribbean's like. They're just so laid back um, and they're there for a good time. And the atmosphere around the camp was amazing. Ashley Nurse, just an incredible singer. They had serenaders on the bus every day. And uh, yeah, so laid back. They go about their cricket in a way that really suits the way I go about my cricket. I'm a, I'm a pretty laid back uh, bloke, which I think in high pressure situations served me quite well. And so the atmosphere over there in the Barbados camp and in the CPL in general was uh, was right up my street. I loved it. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. If you missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app. Thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.